ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, Norman. Hello, Chicken. You know when you're making a cake and the cake turns out like a little bit, there's a bit of holes here and there, it's a bit dippy in the middle and you just slather it with icing and it looks fine from the outside because you just fill in all the gaps with icing. I do know that. Sometimes they're the best cakes because it's all squashy in the middle. That's what I think too. I used to have that approach to taking a multivitamin. I was like... You didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. You sort of like when I was in my 20s, I was like, well, you know, I eat veggies most of the time, blah, blah, blah. But like just in case, just to smooth so things over. So the vitamins over, were, the, were, the, um, were the icing. Was the icing. And the cake was my diet. And most of the time I think the cake was probably fine, but just to be sure, I slathered that multivitamin over the top. Well, I think your success in life can all be put down to multivitamins. Oh, short episode, that's it, that's the question, that's the answer. No, no, we do need to talk about it properly today. Because you are listening to What's That Rash, where we answer your questions on health and wellbeing. I am health reporter Tegan Taylor on Jagger and Turrible Land. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan, and I'm coming to you today from Gadigal Land. And Liz is asking, surprisingly, about multivitamins. She says, I'm an average woman with an average normal diet and an average normal lifestyle. Good on you, Liz. I don't have any specific health issues. Should I be taking any regular multivitamins or other vitamins? The pharmacy has a whole aisle of them. Is it all a scam? So, Norman, let's talk today about multivitamins specifically. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much, Liz, for that question. We're getting really non-controversial, easy questions on what's that rash. We should probably call it what's that scam because that seems to be a theme over the last couple of weeks. Well, I love, I know that you love talking about how most of the stuff that's sold in pharmacies isn't evidence-based. So why not? Why not just dig straight in today? Well, the other thing that I'm, I commonly say is that Australians have the most expensive urine in the world. <laughs> Well, okay. Which gives you gonna... a flavour of what I think about multivitamins. I don't want urine and flavour used in the same sentence, thank you. Okay. I think what we should do is talk about multivitamins because that's kind of the question and it's also the way I used to make my diet cake. What's usually in a multivitamin that you can get in a supermarket or a pharmacy in Australia? Well, it's hard to generalise, but basically there's a few vitamins and there are almost certainly some minerals as well. So I'm just giving you an example of one which probably is not that unusual, where you've got retinol, which is a form of vitamin A, beta carotene, you've got vitamin D3, then you've got some antioxidants from uh, lutein and lycopene, some calcium, some thymine, nicotinamide, you know, so basically a few vitamins, and then there, there's some minerals, calcium, magnesium, iron, zinc, manganese, and that sort of thing, micronutrients, selenium, they're pretty popular. And so I think that's what you get. So it's not a multivitamin. It's um, a multi-element supplement is what usually is in a multivitamin. Oh, that's not quite as snappy as the word multivitamin. No, it's not. And they tend to tell you, know, you can have it for women, you can have it for men, you can have it for kids. They manipulate the recipe. Right. So it's a catch-all term, but there's not really like a standardisation in Australia. No. Uh, I mean, and why should there be? They're saying multivitamin. It just means that there's many vitamins in it and... Um, as long as there's vitamins in it, it would qualify to be a multivitamin. So obviously in different times in human history and in certain parts of the world, nutrient deficiencies have been a big problem and can cause big health effects, can cause birth defects in babies. But how much of a problem is nutrient or vitamin deficiency in Australia? Like for the most part, we have a fairly stable food supply. We have a fairly varied diet. Yeah, maybe just before we get onto that, the, the history is quite 
illuminating. Oh, well, it does include a character called Dr. Funk, so we do need to talk about the history. That's right. And you shouldn't get into funk about Dr. Funk because Dr. Funk... No, he's funky. I love him. He was a pretty good biochemist. But it comes to your issue of, of deficiency. So he essentially discovered vitamins by looking at very specific deficiency patterns like beriberi, pellagra, scurvy, rickets, where you had, in a sense, a syndrome and he suspected that there was a substance lacking in the food of those people. And then he investigated it and he, and he uncovered there were B vitamins deficient. Ricketts, of course, is vitamin D and others. So he didn't discover all the vitamins, but essentially he found a way of discovering the vitamins that caused a specific vitamin deficiency pattern. Now, we don't see those patterns in Australia. There's been some rickets in kids born to African migrants, women who've come from countries where they're used to exposing their skin to the sun and getting vitamin D. But when they live in small apartments in Melbourne and they've got their heads, their bodies covered when they go out, they're vitamin D deficient. So we have seen that a little bit. But scurvy, maybe the odd case in elderly people. But by and large, we don't see deficiency diseases. So what's then the point of a multivitamin at least the vitamin parts of it, when we're not really having people be deficient anyway? Well, that's the key question. And all I can do is quote you the people who promote multivitamins. They say, well, there are subclinical deficiencies, meaning it's so subtle you can't notice it, but you should actually replace it. And that the recommended daily requirements as published are actually not enough for some people, because you might be exercising or you might be doing this, that or the other, and you need a little bit of extra boosting from the vitamins. So that's what the, that's what the companies making these vitamins say. And you do sort of hear that marketing of kind of putting a spring in your step or giving you some vigour, or like you say, if, you, if you're a really active person, you've got a busy life, that these vitamins can do that. On the backs of the packets, they'll often have the RDI, the recommended daily intake, or a percentage of that, where do those numbers actually come from? So there's a bit of a history to recommended daily intake. A lot of the requirements for diet emerged, it was, it was British nutritionists who started to find when you were going to go into rationing in wartime, what did people actually need? And they extrapolated from the deficiency diseases that they saw in poorer countries and the work of Funk and others, and essentially, they've added to that over the years and concluded what might be the recommended daily intake of given vitamins and then extrapolating from animal studies. There is one big caveat to all this. When they're talking about recommended daily intake, they're talking about it from food. They're not talking about it from a bottle. And when you have it from a bottle, you're actually no longer taking vitamins. You're taking drugs. What? That's a spicy comment. What do, what do you mean? Well, vitamins are taken in tiny, tiny amounts into the body in food with all sorts of other substances in the food which help the vitamins and other micronutrients to be absorbed and utilised. So they're actually tiny amounts. And when you start giving more than tiny amounts, you're not necessarily getting the same effect that you would from the recommended daily intake. And taking more might not be better. And I think I've spoken about this before on Watch That Rash. Vitamin C in food, in low doses, is an antioxidant. 
it slows down the oxidative stress, the internal body rusting that's associated with ageing and premature ageing. However, vitamin C in high doses, and nobody knows really why, is a pro-oxidant. It speeds up oxidative stress. Oh, that's sad because uh, that's the one vitamin that actually is yummy. The vitamin C tablets are good. <laughs> because of the taste of them, yes. <laughs> well, to the extent that people are starting to look at whether or not you could use vitamin C as an adjunct to chemotherapy because it helps to kill cells. <laughs> um, yeah, good in chemo, not really good in any other application. Well, well that's right. So that's the whole issue here with multivitamins. So if you're getting more than you need, what happens to that excess vitamin in your body? You, you mentioned expensive wee before, which I assume means it just gets excreted in your urine, but not all of them just get excreted in the amounts that you don't need. So you've got the water-soluble vitamins, particularly vitamin C, vitamin B, the B vitamins, and uh, they get peed out, but also they do accumulate in your body and cause toxicity at high levels before they get peed out. So in other words, it doesn't mean that they don't accumulate in your body. Then there's the fat-soluble vitamins, some of which, like vitamin A, can accumulate in your body and really cause quite a lot of damage if you take it in excess quantities. And then there's the one particular vitamin B, form of vitamin B, vitamin B6, if you take it in high amounts, can damage your nerves permanently, cause a peripheral neuropathy. Oh, wow. And so if you're getting this bad effect from the vitamins as a supplement, do you see the same effect if you're eating like a lot of foods that are really high in these vitamins? Well, remember, the safety margin on most of the vitamins and most multivitamin tablets is pretty good. Even for vitamin B6, the TGA has been quite strict on controlling that. But you've got to watch if there's vitamin B6 in a multivitamin tablet. So, for example, let's just take... uh, people who are vegan. People who are vegan run the risk of, probably less of a risk now than years gone by because there's so many vegan products on the market, of becoming vitamin B12 deficient. Now, B12 has actually quite a big safety margin um, if you're taking vitamin B12, a much bigger safety margin than vitamin B6. But it's all different. You can't generalise. But most multivitamins taken reasonably are not going to do you very much harm, if any harm at all, Are they going to do you any good, though? Mm. So coming to your question about food, unless you've got a particular food obsession, it's very hard to take too much in food because you full up before you come anywhere close to it. It's a bit like the equivalent of taking fruit juice versus whole fruit. It's much easier to swallow a glass of juice than it is to eat four oranges. Yeah, exactly. So my overall impression, Norman, is that you're a little dim on multivitamins. Is there any evidence to support them? There's a little bit, but it's, it's quite specific. So, for example, there's been quite a good randomised trial done with good researchers, uh, Harvard-based researchers, looking at dietary flavanols, those are antioxidants, and also multivitamin preparations, and to see whether it has an effect on memory. And what they found was that in people with poorer quality diets, they did see some improvement in memory. But in people who are reasonably well nourished, they didn't see pretty much any benefit at all. The strongest evidence is actually in uh, macular degeneration. So macular degeneration is a degenerative disease at the back of the eye, the retina. And there has been if you look at the nutritional intake of large populations, the populations with the healthiest diet and the highest intake of antioxidants seem to have the lowest rate of age-related macular degeneration. So that's said to eye surgeons around the world, well, what happens if we actually supplement with antioxidants? 
So to summarise the studies, there is a mix of antioxidants called ARIDS2, A-R-E-D-S2, vitamin C, vitamin E, and zinc and copper. And that seems to reduce the risk of macular degeneration in people who are at high risk, and it seems to slow the progression of um, some forms of macular degeneration if they're put onto this early enough. And because they've done these large-scale studies, giving particularly older people uh, these multivitamins, they've also looked at some of the other benefits, such as does it prolong your life? The answer is no. There's no evidence that multivitamin preparations prolong your life, make you live longer. Um, and there is some risk. So beta-carotene, if you've been a smoker, it increases your risk of lung cancer. So in some of the in arid formulations for macular degeneration, they've tended to remove beta-carotene and replace it with other antioxidants. Right. So a fair few caveats around there. Sounds like there is a basis for some very specific formulations of antioxidants for some very specific reasons. But to come back to Liz's question, that average woman, average normal diet, average normal lifestyle... Is there any benefit at all in taking multivitamins? Save it up for the kids' birthday presents. <laughs> Seriously, that, I mean, that, that, you're not going to do yourself any harm. You're almost certainly not going to do yourself any good at all. But you're taking something you just don't need to take because if you take a highly varied diet, very diverse in vegetables, not too much in red meat, then you're going to be getting very potent forms of these antioxidants. You cannot buy in the chemist an antioxidant that's as powerful as the antioxidants you get in tomato or <laughs> capsicum when you sprinkle olive oil on them and grill them. And I can tell you they're a lot tastier than swallowing a pill. They are. Liz, thank you so much for your question. And if you have a question, you can send it to us, thatrash at abc.net.au, which is also where you can write to us with things that aren't questions, like Kim has. Kim has written in Norman uh, off the back of our chat about chiropractic. Oh, yeah. And Kim said they had 20 years persistent back pain, had gone to a physio, gone to a deep massage place, finally went to uh, a chiropractor and was quite nervous and ended up coming away pain-free after three treatments. And um, it was Kim's massage therapist who recommended that they try Cairo, and he lost a customer by doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, some chiropractors pride themselves in saying, oh, if I can't help you, I'll tell you, and I'm going to try and get you better in two or three sessions. You're not going to have to come to me for life. And uh, this is called the Gonstead method, I think is what Kim had, mm. and um, where they carefully assess you and... They're trying to do it in a minimum number of sessions, so they're not trying to keep you as a customer for life. They're doing themselves out of a job. We also got an email from Ian, who is listening from Sweden. Oh, hello. Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, Ian sent us a link to an Ig Nobel Prize from 2009. There was a Dr. Donald Unger who received the medicine prize for cracking the knuckles of his left hand only, not his right, for 60 years to see if the habit contributed to arthritis. A non-randomised but controlled trial. Very controlled trial. And so was his left hand limp and useless? No. Oh, really? It was the same. No, it didn't, it didn't contribute to arthritis in his left hand. Well, he deserves an ignoble for that. So crack away, folks. And be like Kim and Ian. Send us an email. Tell us if you're still going to take your multivitamin or if Norman is single-handedly putting the pharmaceutical business in Australia out of business, thatrash at abc.net.au. And if you've got your own concoction, do let us know. We'd be fascinated. You know, have you combined 
your multivitamin with cracking your knuckles and did that make a difference? Do you know I actually have um, concocted my own multivitamin, Norman? Oh, have you? It's called a salad. <laughs> Followed by a heavily iced sponge cake. cake. Exactly. We'll see you all next week. See you then. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.